Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. To do, I want to welcome my guest, Corey Russell. Corey, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing awesome, Isaiah. Thank you for having me, man. Um, man, I'm so fired up. I know we were talking before. I'm fired up. Guys, if you don't know, everywhere I travel, Corey, people say, Isaiah, who do you listen to? We know you're all crazy, screaming, shouting, excited, but who's the person? And listen, there's a lot of you pastors in the chat. If this isn't the truth, tell me, because I know this is true. Everywhere for the last 10 years I've traveled, people say, who do you listen to preach? There has to be somebody. And literally every single time I get asked, I say, Corey Russell. Guys, I'm telling you, <laughs> this is one of the only, and this is just personally, okay? I'm telling you from my personal, this is one of the only guys I listen to. And you say, well, why? Because he convicts me, okay? I don't want to listen to anybody that's going to tell me how awesome that's my right. compromise is. I want someone that's going to challenge me, that's going to convict me. And so I got saved and I literally cut spiritual teeth on Corey Russell. You ask my uncle, he's watching right now. You ask my pastor, he's in the chat right here. I played your prayer CDs hours and hours. I memorized them. I, I, I could probably memorize all of your prayer CDs that you have. And there's five of them. And I probably memorized all of them all the way from ancient paths until the newest one, because they literally changed my life. You have been a spiritual hero to me. If I could pick, I'm not blowing smoke. Okay. I've never said this before, but if I could pick one preacher, one person, one preacher whose ministry has had the biggest impact on my life from the day I got saved till now, it would be Corey Russell. So guys, I'm telling you, this man has changed my life. We could go testimony after testimony. Corey, I'm honored that you're on here. I'm excited that you're on here. I believe right now, because of what is going on in America, if there's ever been a time for the church to pray, if there's ever been a time for the church to cry out, now is the time. I believe God is doing a new thing. We were talking about it a little bit earlier. I really believe this is the hour for prayer to rise up. This is the hour to begin to pray in the spirit in this generation. God is raising up end time watchmen, end time messengers. We're not going to be prayer warriors. We're going to be prayer warriors. Some of you need to stop worrying about America so much. Some of you need to, you, some of you are more worried about what Donald Trump is doing than what God is doing. Don't stress y'all. God is still on the throne. God is still in control. God is moving. So Corey, I'm excited um, for you to be on here. I know God has been doing incredible things in your ministry. What's what he's doing in the last days and I'm um, just so excited to have you on. Yeah, man. You got me crying over here, man. I'm so humbled. I'm so humbled. I'm I'm actually I think I'm actually working on another prayer album right now. So mm. I'm pumped about that as well. And um, no, man, I, I think we are living in an unprecedented hour. No other time like it in history. And I think it's an hour. I, I think the Lord's doing a whole bunch of things. And I and I think um you know, one of the one of the courses that we were talking about is Book of Joel. And I think the Book of Joel is a prophetic book for this hour, that mm. little three chapter uh, minor prophet, because Joel is standing in uh, Joel one. He's standing on the tail end of a four waved locust plague that's just come through and destroyed uh, the economy, the agricultural engine. And he, the first thing he says is he says the word here. Mm. That's the first words out of his mouth. He says, hear this, you elders and all you inhabitants of the land. Listen to this. He says, has anything like this happened in your days? He says, has anything like this ever happened in your generation? And we are dealing with unprecedented historic realities in this generation. And our first mode is fix it. And the prophet Joel is screaming here. 
wow. actually discern the day that you're living in. Actually get your ears open, get a tender spirit, come out of the chat rooms and get into the prayer room and, and begin to connect with what I'm saying, what I'm doing. Because if you, and this is what he also says in Joe 1. He says, tell your children about it. He says, actually get your children and tell them about it. Because if they don't discern this season rightly, there's something more intense coming around the corner. And if your children don't learn how to respond rightly in this generation by watching you, they're not going to know how to respond when it gets more intense in their generation. And so I can hear Joel crying out to this generation saying, here, I, I, we're, this is an hour. We need a tender heart. We need tender ears. We need a tender spirit, the spirit of revelation, the spirit of discernment, the spirit of prophecy. There's so much harshness and noise and chatter and so much language going on. And there's such harshness that we're living in in the midst of the day. And we need the church to come out of of the harshness and all the chatter-filled rooms. And we need a tender spirit of revelation and a spirit of prophecy to come back on the church. It's in Isaiah 50, verse 4. He says, he awakens my ear morning by morning to hear as the learned. And I think God's wanting to train our ears how to hear in this hour. And he's wanting to give us the tongue of the learned. Because your connection to your mouth is through your ears. It's through your ears and your eyes is to your mouth. And the fact that our mouths aren't saying anything, it's because it hasn't come through our ears and our eyes. And so God is, is exposing defiled speech. He's exposing our defiled language because our ears are closed and our eyes are closed and we need to slow down, shut up and reconnect with God in this hour. So I I feel like he's doing that. I'm hearing Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount saying, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. But he says, go into your room and shut the door. That's what I believe God's doing globally. He's telling the whole globe, everybody shut up. Go into your room and shut the door. And he says, and pray to your father who's in the secret place. Connect with the one who's in the secret place. And he who is in secret will reward you openly. And so, I, you know, I feel like these are some of the things God's saying in this. And, and, and I feel like that if we don't learn it, it's going to be longer than, we, than we're anticipating. Because God is after something in the church. And he's after. He will allow at the end of the day, there's 10 other factors, but God sets enthroned over it all. And I believe he's wanting to bring forth a church that is hearing like no other time. So good. And I think so many people are trying to tell the church what they should be doing. And I was just thinking about reading Peter this last week. And Peter literally tells us, now we know the world is ending. We are at the end of the world. We are approaching. This is a sign and a birthing pain of the time. And Peter literally tells us, he says, the end of all things is at hand, is approaching. And then this is Peter's instructions, okay? He doesn't yes. say stock up on food. He doesn't say freak out about the governor <laughs> shutting your church down or the president or any of that. He says to be sober and to watch and to go into prayer. He says, there is a drunkenness. People are drunk right now. I know a lot of pastors, a lot of preachers are drunk on the media, are drunk on popularity, are drunk on what is going on, are drunk on depression, anxiety, fear. And he says, listen, we as the body of Christ need to sober up. And if you've ever drank before, listen, I was addicted to alcohol. I drank every day for years. And I'll tell you the one thing that's gonna sober us up in this hour is the bread of life, is the word of God. Bread is the best thing 
if you've ever been drunk, that's going to sober you up. And I believe if there's ever been a time where we need to preach the word, I've been very careful, even in this season, of how much I talk about Corona or how much I talk about politics or how much I talk about whether we should wear a mask or not and how much I'm talking about things that are irrelevant to what God is saying. Now is the time where people are looking for hope. Now is the time where if you don't have a prayer life, you need to begin to hear the word of the Lord. You need to begin to hear the voice of wisdom and say, now is the hour my life is out of order. My prayer life, I am, I am prayerless. Some of you tonight, let's just get honest. You need to begin to ask yourself, what does my prayer life even look like? Like if my prayer life could talk, what would it say? And for some of you, your prayer closet has become filled with cobwebs. Meanwhile, you spend hours and hours and hours a day on Netflix, on Instagram. Listen, I get it. We're all stuck at home. We're at stay at home order. But I'm thinking if we're stuck at home, we should be seeking the Lord more than we've ever seeked the Lord. I'm not talking about getting religious. I'm saying now is the hour, the end of all things. We need to sober up as the body of Christ. And Peter literally tells us the chapter's closing. How do we respond? We don't need to try to invent a new way. He says, pray. You need to watch, as Corey's saying, and pray. He, you need to be, be careful what you're saying. Be careful what you're listening to because you don't just start praying, but he says, stay in prayer. So that we have to, you know, Corey, I believe when we talked about this earlier, we have to get out of this one hour and a half Jesus babysits me on Sunday morning, daycare type of church that just prays for 20 minutes. Most churches these days in America, they survey, don't even have a prayer meeting. And guys, I want to tell you as we start tonight, if you have unsafe family members, if you have unsafe friends, if you have an unsafe community and you're crying out to God saying, God, why won't you save them? And you haven't spent this week at all praying for them. You are delusional if you think God is going to move when we're not even praying. The Bible says we don't have because we don't ask. So I believe now's the time to begin to ask the Lord, to begin to beg the Lord, to, to contend. And I'm praying tonight, there would be a fire in you to pray. Prayer is the only thing the lack of prayer is what got us in this mess, and the power of prayer is going to get us out of this mess. So I believe now is the time for us to pray, for us to cry out. This is this is what I believe that God is doing right now, and I know God has used you as a forerunner for years to to talk about prayer and pray in the Spirit and teach on prayer. Yeah, I, I think I've been saying this for years. I believe the days of Sunday-only Christianity are over. Come on. And I don't believe Jesus died for 45 minutes and 20 bucks. Come on. I, I believe that he died to rend veils, to bring us who are far off into deep intimacy, deep proximity, and to abide in his presence, to dwell in the secret place of the Most High, and to fellowship with him. Friend, you were made for deep intimacy Come with on. God. He's a beautiful God. And he longs for intimacy. He is the fulfillment of a thousand questions. He's the answer to a thousand questions. And friend, I want you to know purpose is found in him. Uh, everything is found in him. I'm thinking of Luke 21, verse 34. Jesus in, the, in his Olivet Discourse, is very. he gives us the story of the end times and gives us all the events around the end times. The disciples are sitting there saying, well, Jesus, how, how many guns, how much rice, how much water should we get? And he says, take heed to yourselves. First word, take heed, which means pay attention to yourself. He says, lest your hearts be weighed down wow. with, with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. He says, for it will come as a snare on all of those who dwell on the face of the earth. He says, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to stand. And I think there is a, a global weight 
that's coming on the church. And I, and I'm grateful for pops pop quiz seasons that really expose me. And I say, mm. Jesus all the time, shock me now instead of shocking me later. Wow. And so I, I think we're finding that our hearts are entrenched and weighed down with so many things. And I'm like, God, let this wait. You know, that's actually in Luke 22, why the disciples, it says in Luke 22, that they were unable to stay awake with Jesus wow. in the garden of Gethsemane. It says they were sleeping from sorrow. They weren't sleeping because they were tired. The intensity of the hour wow. was too much for their interior life. And it's because they hadn't prepared it through lives of prayer. Therefore, they weren't buoyant enough to be able to navigate seasons of intensity. And I, I believe that God is calling us to tremble in this hour to get alive on, and get free on the inside so we can stay buoyant and awake in these days. And that's why the spirit of prayer and friend, I want every one of you to know Nobody does this easy. There's no superstars in this. Come it's on. a journey of awkwardness and boredom of dealing with a God we barely know, a book we barely know, and how unlovely he really is to us. But God's saying, it's okay. Just come hang out with me because I promise you, on the other side of your boredom is a breakthrough into the greatest mm. encounter, the greatest visitation, the greatest, the word of God's going to explode. So I want you to know that if prayer is a place of difficulty, awkwardness, and boredom, I'm knocking my thing off here. Come on, you're getting that, excited. I love it. Come on. That's, that's, that if it's a place of boredom and awkwardness for you, good, good, good news. It's, that's all he has to work with is dull people like us. And God loves to take dull people and light them on fire come in his on, presence. Come on. That's so, so good. And I think that's one thing people always say is, I'm, I get distracted. The moment that I get into prayer, I get distracted. And I know you, not only were you at IHOP for years, but I've read your books. You have a wild prayer life and you've gone through seasons where you're four hours, six hours, sometimes eight hours a day in prayer. And I really want to talk about that. And I think you touched on it earlier is yes. shutting the door. I always tell people that door of your mind, the moment that you begin to pray. Now that is just a validator of how afraid the enemy is of us praying. If you look at Acts, the Bible says, and, and as they went to prayer, the demon possessed girl began to harass them. You have to understand that when you begin to pray, you literally attract the demonic realm because the demonic yeah. realm is threatened by believers that pray the devil is not threatened by the fact you show up to church because he shows up to church he's not threatened by the fact that you know the bible because he knows the bible he's not threatened by the fact that you tremble because he trembles he's threatened by the fact that when you get in the place of prayer you literally begin to deconstruct and dismantle demonic powers you begin to break down strongholds prayer becomes the bulldozer to breaking strongholds listen some of you for years you've been in bondage for years you've been bound in your mind for years you've been oppressed by depression anxiety and fear and pastors say oh just take a pill or oh just go through counseling but never addressing the lack of prayer never addressing i, I know you've said this before Corey. Pr getting a prayer life and i want you to get this tonight guys and share the stream there's 850 of you watching right now getting a prayer life will solve a thousand other issues you are wore out and tired, and this is prophetic for some of you because you're scrambling to try to fix your marriage and scrambling to try why your wife doesn't do this, why your husband doesn't do this, why your kids aren't listening, why there's no passion in you, why you struggle to sit here for 30 minutes and hear the word of God. Meanwhile, you've neglected the place of prayer. You've neglected fellowship with Jesus. You've neglected knowing God, and Jesus makes it explicit if you want to find God, you're only going to find him in the secret place. And when you find him, everything else changes 
It doesn't matter if you're getting shipwrecked or getting stoned or getting beat. If I could get connected to the power source, if I could pray until, I'm not going to pray until I feel better, but I'm going to pray until something breaks in the supernatural realm. And I think a lot of people write in, Corey, they say, well, I get distracted. The moment I begin to pray, the moment this begins to happen, would you talk about this? Because I don't know. I know I know. Mike Bickle teaches like, sometimes you just need to schedule it. This is how I developed a prayer life. I started scheduling prayer. I said, okay, yes. at this time I'm going to pray. At this this time I'm going to, because if not, you're just not going to end up praying. You're going to be on your third season of the office and look back and say, I spent nine hours watching Netflix today and I've lost my appetite for the place of prayer. Well, no wonder you've been shoving donuts down your throat all day long and eating junk food at McDonald's all day. And then you, I wonder why you have no appetite for spiritual things. We as the body of Christ need to begin to starve our, our flesh and begin to feed our spirit, the place of prayer, get connected. And then here's what happens. As you begin to get a prayer life, all these other things begin to change. All of a sudden, you're able to sleep at night. All of a sudden, you're not dealing with that demonic power of depression. All of a sudden, your marriage begins to get restored. All of a sudden, your husband, he stops cheating. Uh, your husband starts getting faithful. Your husband starts being the man of God that God has called him to be. He says, honey, I don't know why, but I actually want to go to church now. I don't know why, but I actually want to do Bible studies with the family. And you think that it's just because God something's happening. No, no, no. It's because you've been changing him in the place of prayer, and it's going to begin to manifest. There's a word for some of you tonight. It's time time to get excited about prayer in the body of Christ. It's time for prayer to be more exciting than meeting Isaiah at the merch table after the conference. Okay. Some of y'all <laughs> need to begin to get excited about prayer. And I would go as far to say, you need to begin to ask your pastor, why don't we have prayer meetings? Can we start a prayer meeting? Let's start Ooh. in the home. I believe prayer is what's going to bring the next move Ooh. of God. We there's no substitute. We have to get back to prayer. Yeah. I mean, I think the devil's going to let us do a lot of things. Mm. I don't think I don't think big meetings threaten him. I don't think big mm. this, big that. I think when a man or a woman schedules a time and says, "I'm not going to let any amount of opportunity come on or in, or any amount of mistreatment and betrayal and difficulty talk me out of meeting with you at this time." I think that a saint that actually does that puts hell on notice and does more to kill the kingdom of darkness than just about most of the stuff that we esteem. And, and, and it's, and it's true. And cause when Jesus, they said, Jesus teaches us to pray, you know, the disciples spent mm. three and a half years with Jesus. They heard every message, saw every miracle, witnessed everything. And they never asked him, teach us to preach. They never asked him, teach us to do miracles, teach us to heal the sick, teach us to da, 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 da. They go, we want your prayer life. And I've begun to reevaluate myself as a leader saying, are the people around me, do they want my prayer life wow. or my preaching skills wow. or my networking skills or my wisdom with finances or my this or my that? Do I believe the number one hallmark of a leader is to provoke those around you. They want your prayer life. That's the number one source of discipleship. That's the number one uh, revelation of everything else because they understood that Jesus' public life of ministry was the result of his private life of prayer. Come on. And, G and, and they asked him, and I believe that God's going to raise up moms and dads. This is my vision, is that little kids that get up in the morning and they run into the living room and they see mom on the couch or they see dad on the couch with a notebook open, Bible open, music on, and they see tears coming down their face and the kid hits a wall as the most greatest revelation will ever hit them hit their life Jesus isn't a once a week meeting wow he's a real he's a real man he's a real person i can feel him in the room mom's crying 
He's not some theory. He's not a slice of the weekly pie. Mom has intimacy with him. Dad has intimacy with him. That'll be more powerful than all the to-do list. All of you telling them how to abide. It's going to be them tears when you, they see you talking to Jesus. That's what's going to leave the greatest impact. And Jesus says, when you pray, which means there's Come a time. Come there, on. There's a win. There's a win. And he says, when you pray, which means you schedule it. And friends, you got to find your power time. For me, it's 6 a.m. in the morning because I found that in the morning I have the least amount of distractions and my mind's the quietest, which I don't do all the talking. That's another wrong Come paradigm on, about, about prayer. It. Most of us think about prayer as you doing all the talking. Prayer is first about listening and then you speak to God what he's spoken to you. Prayer doesn't begin with you talking. It begins with you listening. And so we, we, I found your power time. Some of you, it might be at the end of the night once all your stuff's over. Whatever, you've got to find your power time and not let any amount of money or let any amount of mistreatment or betrayal or difficulty get you out of that meeting. And I promise you, God will do more with your life than a thousand other things. And he says, when you pray, he didn't start with a list. He started with a person. He says, when you pray, say, Abba. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Which means this, Jesus says more important than a list is a person, a place, and his name. And you need to learn this person. You need to learn where he lives and what his name is. And friend, I just want to tell you this. Yeah, of course it's distracting. I, and even talking about normal prayers where he's praying in the spirit, praying in mm. tongues. I find that my mind wanders about every five to ten seconds. You know what? Welcome to the club. Come on. You know, there's, there's no group of people out there. You know, some of you are really spiritual. You can go 15 seconds. Come Praise on, God. Come on. But the rest of us, I find that about the first, especially when talking about praying in tongues or praying in the spirit, I find at 1 Corinthians 14, he says that when a man prays in tongues, he doesn't speak to men, but he speaks to God. Wow. And that you speak mysteries in the spirit. So the, the number one thing that I love to do when praying is I love to visualize with my mind's eye, God on the throne, Revelation 4, God on the throne, or Colossians 1, God in my spirit. God on the throne, God in my spirit. And I love to connect with God as I pray. And every 5 to 10 to 15 seconds, my mind wanders. But after it's ran its course, I bring it back to its focal point. Mm. And after doing that for 15 to 20 minutes, what begins to happen is from you reaching for God into you coming into divine alignment with God. And that's when you begin to pray with God. And I have found Isaiah, one is most people beat themselves up for not being more disciplined and concentrating good enough. Come on, talk and about the devil it. And the devil wants to come in there and beat you up over your lack of focus. But friend, I want to say to you, don't beat yourself up. Just keep coming back. We're all distracted two-year-olds. We're trying Come to look on. at Abba. We're doing our best and it pleases him. And I want to say, don't give up. Keep looking at him. And it's going to move from you reaching for him into you moving with him. And I feel like that's the shift that he wants to teach us in prayer. And I love what you said too, because I think a lot of times, even in prayer, things begin to change that you don't realize change until, you know, a week goes by, two weeks goes by and you say, yes. man, something's changing on the inside of me. I don't know what it is. And I'll tell you what it is. It was when you got into prayer, you begin to crucify you. I think so many times we don't realize we are the issue and the hindrance yes. to our spiritual yes. life growing. And I believe praying, especially praying in the spirit, what I've come to find is praying in the spirit will take you out of God's way and put you in God's will. Whenever I feel like I'm in the way of what 
God is trying to do. And this has been even the last couple weeks, even just today, I was thinking, and I've been trying so intentionally. I'm not just saying, you know, get away this, but I've been trying to pray in the spirit under my breath throughout the day, even in my mind, just praying in the spirit when I get irritated, praying in the spirit when I get anxiety. And the Bible tells us how often we pray. People say, well, how often should I pray? The Bible tells us to pray constantly, pray often, Ephesians 6 says, yeah, in the spirit at all times, in every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for believer, for all believers everywhere. So Paul tells us, this is why you have to pray all the time. Because the spiritual battle doesn't turn the noise, the war, the power, or whatever you want to call it, it doesn't turn off when you turn on Netflix. The spiritual battle doesn't pause when you spend four to five hours distracted by social media. You spend three hours on Instagram, you think the spiritual world just just paused. There is a constant battle, and as believers, we're not called to be little grasshoppers that get stepped on by every little demon. We are called to be warriors in the spirit realm, to be overcomers, and through prayer, be Begin to shift the people around us. What would happen if you begin to pray and watch the supernatural shift around you? Watch God begin to move. Our revival started, any revival started, I won't even just say ours, in the place of prayer. We didn't know what to do. Sometimes the most powerful prayer you could pray is just help. Lord, I don't know what to do yes. about my job. Some of you right now, I'm prophesying to some of you. There's a thousand of you on here right now watching live. And there are some of you that have been saying, Lord, I don't know what to do about my job. I don't know what to do about my marriage. I don't know what to do about these nightmares. And I don't know what to do about my kids. They're out there. I don't know when they're going to come home. And the Lord is saying, instead of running around trying to figure everything out, come to me and I will begin to change what you can't change. This is why we start in prayer. We start as we get saved. We're so radical about prayer. We're so excited about prayer. And then as time goes by, we pray less. And the lack of prayer is you telling God, I don't need you the way I used to need you. When I look back at my prayer life and say, I used to pray four hours a day. I, I was telling a church, I preached at a church in Canada through Zoom this week. And I was telling them how when we started our revival, our prayer meetings didn't have an end time. They went on day and night, day and night, all my party friends coming, all my friends getting off of work coming, middle of the night, crying out to God. We went from drugs and drinking for 10 hours a day to praying 10 hours a day. There was a desperation. There was a hunger in us. And then now what happens is you get a job, you get married, you figure it out, right? And you don't pray anymore because you don't feel like you need God and you're not relying on God. I want to be in a place, and this is a prophetic word for some of you where I say, Lord, I'm a crippled beggar. The Bible literally says when you pray to beg. Be a crippled beggar that says, I can't survive an hour without prayer. Prayer is the oxygen to my spirit. I'm gasping for air. I need God to touch me and change me. And when you begin to do that, I'm telling you, you will get addicted to prayer. You will get addicted to the presence of God. You'll get addicted to holiness. You'll get addicted to fasting. When you start taking your appetite and shifting it from that which is natural to that which is spiritual, there's nothing like encountering God in the secret place. We as the body of Christ need to begin to pray in the spirit. We need to begin to cry out to God. We have time. There's no excuse right now, Corey. We have so much time on our hands because of what's happening with Corona. Could it be that God is trying to cancel out the distractions and the tradition and the religion that we've been so obsessed with and getting us back so that we could truly be a house of prayer and just really shifting us in the supernatural realm? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just so, I'm absolutely so blessed. The apostle Paul said, I thank God that I speak with tongues more than all of you. Come on. I believe that's the greatest insight into his devotional life. Is that this man, whether he was working, whether he was preaching, whether he was traveling, whether he was in prison, the man lived in tongues. Come on. The man who, who, who wrote the, pretty much the whole New Testament, 
First Thessalonians, I think it's 517. He says, pray without ceasing. And I believe in finding the set times, but I believe out of the overflow of the set times is to live a life in the spirit. Mm -hmm. He says that we, when we pray in tongues, we don't speak to men, but we speak to God. He says that we speak mysteries in the spirit. Wow, Friend, if you want to see the deep things of God opened up in your life, begin to pray in tongues for extended periods of time. If you want to see more verses jump off the page, if you want to still see the still small voice get louder and clearer, if you want your inner knower to get sharper, if you want your dream life to increase, if you want that authority to begin to grow on the inside Come of you, on. truths about God, listen to this, truths about God, the spirit of revelation, truths about you and God's divine destiny for you, those works that he's prepared before you and people that are in need. God wants to begin, I call it picking the brain of the Holy Spirit. When we begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, it begins to bring us into the mind of God and God puts people on our hearts. He says that we speak mysteries. Number two, we edify ourselves. Come on. That, that word means to, to build, to charge oneself. It's spiritual weightlifting. And most of us, our spirits are so weak, mm. so pathetic, so impotent. We've cultivated soul energy, our mind energy, our emotional energy, our gifting energy. Who is cultivating their spirits? Who's building their inner spirits? Who's building their inner man? And praying in tongues is spiritual weightlifting. It's resistance that produces strength. And what you find is strength, endurance, power, the ability to forgive a difficult person, to love a difficult person, to go after a difficult person, to be patient in tribulation, to endure difficulty, to endure a tough marriage, that you stay in it. That's what a mighty spirit's able to do. It wields the word of God. That's how Jesus fought the devil in the wilderness was with the word of God. But most of us are trying to wield the sword of the spirit with a very weak spirit. Wow. God wants to teach us how to train our spirit to wield the word of God. Because if you don't, you'll be wielding the butter knife of the spirit. And God wants to teach Come us how on. to wield the sword of the spirit. He doesn't want us rubbing butter on the devil's back. Come Stop on. it. Leave me alone. Get away from me. He wants you raising the sword of the spirit, cutting off the voice of accusation, cutting off the spirit of temptation, cutting off the spirit of accusation, breaking the power of the enemy. And that comes by edifying yourself. You don't need my hand laid on you. Isaiah's hand laid on you. Your favorite person's laid. I tell you, you have the most anointed hand living on the inside of you. His name is Holy Ghost. It says this, that we, we edify ourselves. We, 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 uh, he mentioned it earlier. Ephesians 6 talks about wielding the sword of the Spirit. We're given two offensive weapons. We're given the Word of God and praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Mm. Those are our two offensive weapons. Number four, it's when you hang out with holy, you get holy. He changes your mind. He changes the way you feel, what you think about your desires. Friend, I just want to say to you as, as, as simply as I can, the devil, the devil has divided church history over tongues because he, he understands the power it possesses. Mm -hmm. The thing that's to bring about a unity, to bring about a glory, is the thing that the devil has released the greatest warfare on. And the, and the mind of man calls it stupid, but God loves to hide his mysteries and what the world calls stupid. He hides glory in Bethlehem stables and he requires you saying you got to go low to enter into the glory of my kingdom. 
Most of us will get it at an altar call. We'll fall down when we feel God. But I want to see you Come at on. 530 with a cup of coffee in your hand. I want to see you in the middle of that swirl and begin to lay hold of the life of God within you until you break through and you get above the storm. I want to charge you to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost for hours a day to build yourself up and to watch what God will do through you. So good. And I think what you said too is praying in the spirit every day. I think, and I want to talk about this too, because some people say, well, isn't praying in tongues a gift for only some people? And I've had this message 150 times in the last two months. Isaiah, I want it, but I know. And, and then they say this, but I know that it's only for some people. Under, now listen, uh, there's a thousand of you listening right now. If you're going to sit here and say, this is only for some people, and that's how you start your, your sentence, don't expect to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You have to Amen. get to a place where you say, Lord, speaking in tongues is different than praying in tongues. And Lord, I know that you want to release this on me tonight, not tomorrow, not next week, not when I get better or when I get cleaned up or when I stop watching this. Tonight, you want to give me the power to pray in the Spirit to pray in tongues. God is not withholding it saying, oh yeah, I don't really feel like giving it to you. I'm not really in a good mood today and I really don't want your spirit to pray to me. Speaking in tongues, when Paul talks about the gift of speaking in tongues or an unknown language is different, I believe. Now you could correct me, Corey, if I'm wrong. I, I believe agree. is different than praying in the spirit because I believe the Lord wants to release and there's nothing more life-changing. I would say, and, I, and you could talk about your personal prayer life uh, if you would like to, but I would say for me personally, I probably pray in English 15% of the time, this is me personally, and I pray in tongues 85% of the time. And I'm, I know some people, they sit hours in prayer meetings and they, they don't have the ability. I don't, wouldn't want to say the gift because they just haven't tapped into the ability to pray in tongues. But I'm telling you, it will revolutionize your life when you begin to get that spirit praying through you. When you get in that at atmosphere, you start encountering God, praying in the spirit. It changes everything. I don't know about you, but for me, it's hard to pray an extended period of time in English. But when you begin to pray in the spirit, I always feel stuff begin to change. As you said, it it's working out spiritually. So many people want to be buff in the spirit, but they only want to work out once a week on Sunday morning. I mean, imagine, okay, working out once a week and then wonder, stand, you stand in front of the mirror going, when am I going to become a bodybuilder? I mean, when am I just going to one day wake up ripped? You're not, it doesn't happen by chance. Your spiritual development, which is what we're talking about tonight, doesn't happen by chance. Some of you are waiting for gold dust to come on. You're waiting for a wake up with feathers on your forehead. You're waiting to float off and some prophet to come to you and lay hands on you. And then all of a sudden now you have superpowers. No, 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 no. It happens by developing a prayer life and working out in the spiritual realm and being able to, like Corey said, being able to wield that sword of the spirit. You only will get bigger or grow deeper by working out in the spirit realm. And that's why the Bible says, yes, Training for godliness. Now, I know there's some bodybuilders here because I can see you in the chat. Training for godliness <laughs> is profitable, but training in the spirit is more profitable or training for godliness. Yeah. And this is what praying in the spirit does. I There's been times where I've struggled and I have to literally visualize, Still okay, when I pray in the spirit, I'm bench pressing in the spiritual realm. I mean, That's exactly I'm growing right. in the spiritual realm. So then now the battles that I lost to yesterday are easier to overcome because I have spiritual strength. Just as the enemy took Samson's strength, the enemy is trying to zap the strength of the church because he's painted prayer as this boring event, only grandmas. That's why I don't ever go and preach on, oh, the praying grandmas of the church. Why is it the grandmas have to be praying in the church? What would happen if the young people begin to pray? What would happen if we stopped attracting people with pizza parties, nice outfits, skinny jeans, and popular pastors, and we started attracting people with the place of prayer? I mean, can you imagine the day 
where our prayer meetings had more people than our conferences. I guess pastors call me, Corey, and they say, Isaiah, I could get 500 people to come on Sunday morning, but I can't get more than 15 to come to the prayer meeting. And I'm saying, pastor, you're creating, you're, you're duplicating and replicating your personal life. And your personal life, there's a lack of prayer, there's a lack of hunger, there's a lack of desperation. And so your people aren't hungry. Your people aren't desperate. It starts in the pastors. It starts in the leaders saying, Lord, give me a prayer life. Give me a worship life. We need the fire in our own personal lives. And I believe tonight the Lord is striking a fire to pray. He's striking a passion to pray. There's no substitute. And I want to say this last thing. I'm going to pass it back to you, Corey. You don't graduate out of prayer. You you say Isaiah well once I get promoted to being a senior pastor does I have do I have to settle down with praying once I become that worship leader and I strive and strive and strive you never graduate prayer is your highest calling there's nothing higher than the place of prayer there's nothing higher than communing with God if I told you there's a thousand of you at Walmart you can meet God tomorrow at six o'clock you'd be lined up around the building at Walmart yet we have prayer meetings and nobody shows up we have to get back to the desperation and the hunger. I'm asking God tonight, as you talk, I'm going, Lord, give me a hunger for prayer. Give me a desire for prayer. I want Shalabatoyo. to encounter you like never before. I really think we need to get back to that desperation. Yeah, and, you, and the pastors, you can't delegate it to the Come pastor on. of intercession or the pastor of prayer. If leaders don't lead, people won't follow. Mm. We've got to have pastors leading our prayer meetings. And, and, and I think, again, that's what Jesus produced. And I, and I think that's, that right there has got to become the new model, a new breed of leaders that are leading the place of prayer. Mm. And it's not relegated to somebody else. You know, I just, I mean, I want to move into praying for yes. people here in a little bit. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I believe, one is, yeah, I totally believe that. I believe there's the, the gift, the First Corinthians 12 gift for corporate edification. There's a gift of tongues with, with interpretation that brings corporate edification. But I believe what we're talking about is that personal prayer language between your spirit and the spirit of God in the same way that everyone has general faith, but there's the gift of faith of first Corinthians 12. So I believe in the general, I believe it's a gift for everyone. I believe that it's a gift for everyone. It's not a matter of salvation, but it's a gift that God wants to give to everyone to unlock the deep of you to Abba. It's, it awakens the Abba cry. It's not mostly about warring in tongues. It's mostly intimacy in Come tongues. On. It's mostly fellowshipping in tongues. It's mostly just singing in tongues. It's not mostly about, it's mostly about communion with God. And I believe that, that, you know, last verse of second Corinthians says, may the love of God, the grace of Jesus and the communion or the fellowship of the Holy spirit be with you all. And I believe that God wants to bring all of us into a deeper communion and fellowship with the Holy spirit where we pray with his mind. We feel his heart. We tap his brain. We were strengthened with his strength and we get mighty in spirit. Cause I'm here to tell you when you hang out with Holy spirit, he's going to conform you into the image Come of on. Jesus. It's not about some shundai and you're over here off to the side and you're weird and that you can cheat on your taxes or cuss Come or on. do other things. When you get intimate with Holy spirit, he's going to say, stop watching that. Come on. Stop saying that. Stop listening to that. Get away from that person. That's not a business person that you need to align with. Holy Spirit will begin to bring you into the realm of the Spirit. And it's very practical in how it's lived out. And I believe that God wants to unlock it for, for many of us. And, and, but I, I'll tell you this, uh, Isaiah. I believe that one of the greatest, because um, we'll turn this into a badge. Come on. The, re the religious spirit will hide behind anything. 
and it will hide behind people that say there is no tongues, but it, the, the, holy, the, the religious spirit will hide behind the people or the denominations who say, I got it. Wow. And now they'll treat it like a badge and they'll, they will have treated it because this is what the religious spirit is in its simplest form. It's this sentiment, I've arrived. Wow. And wherever you, whatever, uh, whatever religious badge causes you to think that you've arrived, you know the spirit of religion is an operation because the spirit of religion sets a ceiling over you and it sets you in superiority to other people. The greatest hindrance to people moving and praying in tongues are the people who pray, quote unquote, in tongues wow. or who got it, who got it. And they say, well, we got it, praise God. And we've arrived. I, and we're praying for you to get it. That's the greatest hindrance. We need to rip our badges off. I say it all the time. People say, I got tongues. I don't care if you got tongues. Does tongues got you? Come on. That's my question to you is, do, do you for real? And, and I, I always like to start 20 minutes a day. So start with good. 20 minutes a day. Put your pinky toe in that river. Because around the 15 to 20 minute mark, it's going to shift. And then once you shift... You ain't going to stop. You'll cruise into an hour. You'll cruise into two and you won't stop because your spirit's charged and it will become what you do in between all of your task of your day. Mm. And so I, I believe that God wants to, one, rip the badge off of people who got it. And I believe he wants to, one, break down the ideas of people, quote unquote, don't have it. Because we say, well, we only want God to do it. Therefore, we want God to knock us down open up our jawline and start moving our tongues without any involvement. Nothing in the kingdom works that way. What everything operates by faith, which means this, there's going to be a moment you're going to look like an idiot. And if you're willing to step out of the boat and feel like an idiot for a moment, you will step into the miraculous. Okay. So here's what I want to do now, Corey, I've been in meetings with Corey where they don't even, he doesn't even end up preaching. He ends up praying. Actually, one of my most craziest encounters I ever had was right when I got saved, Corey, I don't know if you remember this ammo conference and you came and I don't know if you were supposed to preach or not, but you didn't preach. You got up there and started praying and I started getting visions. I started getting, I can't even explain to you. One of the most powerful encounters I've ever had. I actually have several family members that were with me that had life changing, eternity altering encounters the moment you started praying. So God has anointed you. I mean, obviously, I'm just saying the obvious to some of the new people that are in here right now. There's a thousand of you watching right now. And I'm going to ask Corey. He is a man of prayer. He was at the house, IHOP house of prayer. He's at upper room now running, running some prayer things going on. But he, we know him as the man of prayer. I don't know anybody personally. This is just me that has a prayer life like this man. And I know he would never say this and this, but I want to say this. When he prays, God has given him a special gift where encounters begin to happen. So here's what I want to do. I want you guys to believe. Some of you that don't pray in the spirit, I know there's a lot of you because there's a thousand of you live right now, and I know not every single one of you pray in the spirit. So I want to ask that the Lord is going to release the spirit of tongues, the gift of tongues. We're not talking about praying with an interpretation. Some of you are like, do we have to interpret? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about praying in the spirit. And as he begins to pray, so here's what I want to do. Wherever you are, I want you to get into a place of receiving. I know some of you might be driving. Okay, don't get all religious, but if you're in your home, in your house, feel free to put on some worship music because of copyright, we can't. And I'm gonna ask him to begin to pray over us. And I just want you to put your hands out in front of you like you're receiving a Christmas gift. And we're just gonna ask the Holy Spirit to be released and people to have encounters right now. You just go for it, Corey. Yeah, yeah. And I just want everybody, I, I believe in that, opening up your hands because you're receiving a gift. And I want you to see your father right now. He's a good father. 
and re- and we're just going to ask him right now. So just just repeat it after me. Just say, Father, you love me, and I love you. You love to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. So I ask you right now, give me the Holy Spirit. Thank you for what I do have, but God, I want more. Say, God, I want to speak in tongues. I want to speak with new tongues, Jesus. I want to prophesy. I want a river to break out of my innermost being. I want to move into that deeper intimacy with you, God. I want to know you. I want to know your heart. I ask you to fill me right now with the Holy Spirit. From the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I want to, I want to, I want, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit right now. Now, I want you right now, wherever you're at, cry, come out to God. I just want you to vocalize, God, I want to be filled with you. God, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I want to know you deeper. And if, and if some of you have been religious about having pray, praying in tongues, rip your badge off. I love just to rip the badge off and throw it in the trash. Now, let's ask him right now. Let's just begin to pray. In the name of Jesus, I just declare, receive the Holy Spirit right now. Receive the Holy Spirit right now, the top of your head and the soles of your feet. I just say, I, I command rivers to break out of your innermost being. Rivers to spring up from within you right now. And as you begin to feel that uh, river welling up from within you, when you feel those swells of the Holy Spirit within you, I want you to step out of the boat. If you're in your living room or your car or your bedroom, just begin to step out and begin to pray. It might be one syllable. The angels say one word around the throne. So you may say one word forever. One word's good. They say holy forever. So it might be one word. It might be a river. But step out of the boat. Be filled with the Holy Spirit right now. Come on. You who have your prayer language, let's all begin to pray together in the spirit. God, make us strong in spirit. Oh, God, it's God who arms me. God, teach my hands for battle and my fingers for war. It's God who arms me with strength. Oh, God, release that river. Come on, everybody lift your voice together. Spirit, help us in our weaknesses. We don't know what to pray for as we ought. Oh, release those deep groanings. God, I ask you to release tears, tongues, and travail. Release tears, tongues, and travail. Release a tenderness in prayer. Release an intimacy in prayer. Most of us yell at the wall. God, help us talk to a person. 
Come on, come on, one more minute. Everybody lift your voice. Release a new tenderness in prayer. Oh, God, release new connection in prayer. Eye contact. So be filled with the Holy Spirit. As soon as you stop trying and just take deep breaths, this is how you receive. Take a deep breath. Don't try it. You don't try to get tongues. You receive it. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh. Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I breathe on you right now. I breathe on you right now. I say, receive the Holy Spirit right now. Thank you, Lord. Come on, 30 more seconds. Oh, we thank you, God. We bless you, Abba. God, I pray for every person watching this and that will watch this. I declare over you that your prayer life will shift from this day forward. I declare from this day forward, prayer will go from mostly boring and drudgery into intimacy and joy. I pray that it will be a, a safe place. I pray that it would be a place of confidence. I take authority over the shame off your life. And I say you were made for God and he made you for himself. You were made to look at him and he wants eye contact with you. And I declare over every one of you watching and who a shift into a new season of your prayer life. New authority, new intimacy, new joy, new peace. That Jesus would become your getaway. That prayer would own more hours than Netflix this next month. That prayer would own more hours than social media this next month. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. <laughs> We're putting our pinky toe in that river, Isaiah. Come on. Yes, Lord. Father, we thank <laughs> you, God, for what you're doing tonight, Lord. We pray for everyone watching that you would just release encounters over them. And I, guys, I want to say this before we end. And don't, don't leave before we do the giveaway. But I want to say this. Have an expectation 
this week that you're going to have an encounter you've never had. Have an expectation that you're going to get alone in the secret place and encounter God like you've never encountered God. If you're frustrated or or upset on why you haven't had encounters, I want to challenge you, get in the secret place. The Bible promises us that it is in secret that we encounter God. That if you knock, if you ask, as a beggar, you will receive. And I was just thinking about even as you were praying the parable of the man that comes at midnight, the Bible says the man will not give what he's asking him for until the man has shameless persistence. So he answers the man, not because they're friends, but because they have shameless persistence. So I want to challenge you, have shameless persistence this week. Say, Lord, I need you to do this in my life. Lord, I'm asking you to release this in my life and watch God as he does miracles, signs, and wonders. I'm believing that this is a start. Now, I want to, I want to, I want to really emphasize what Corey said about starting with 20 minutes. Let's start this way, guys. Listen. Start with 20 minutes a day. Say, Lord, I'm going to do 20 minutes a day of, let's just say praying in the spirit, okay? If you don't pray in the spirit, let's just say praying 20 minutes a day. And I I challenge you within one week to watch how your life drastically changes when you begin to give God some of your time and then go to an hour, then go to two hours and begin to move into deeper things. I'm telling you guys, there is a deep crying out to deep that God is wanting to release over you. And don't be satisfied in the kiddie pool. Don't be satisfied. I've said a thousand times, God, I'm not satisfied in where I'm at and knee deep Christianity. And you might be radical compared to your most lukewarm friend, but I want to look at my life and look at the life of Jesus and say, Lord, there is another level that you're trying to release over me. Another level of breakthrough, another level of encounter, another level of desperation. And some of you have been in church for 30 years and you've never developed a prayer life. So I don't know how much more we could cry out. I don't know how much more we could preach to you. It's time to just say, Lord, I'm doing this. If it's with your family, look, if it's with your kids, if it's with your wife, commit to doing this every single day. Well, Isaiah, I don't have time. Yes, you do. Okay. If I look at your Netflix account, your Hulu account, your Instagram account, your Facebook account, I'm not going to let my cell phone on judgment day testify against me as to why I didn't have enough time. There's plenty of time in the day. We all have 168 hours in the week. We all have 24 hours in the day. Let's begin to lay our life down on the altar of prayer. Jesus is looking for the house of prayer. Who tonight? I want you to type one. Who tonight will say, Lord, if my church is in the house of prayer, I'll be the house of prayer. If my marriage is in the house of prayer, I'll be a house of prayer. Let it start with me. Let me be the house of prayer. I'm not trying to just go to an upper room. I want to be the upper room. I want to yeah. be the place where your fire dwells. Corey, I don't know if there's anything you want to say before we um, close out tonight. I don't. I don't. I just want to say, do it. Sign up for the 20. It's going to feel, your mind's going to get distracted. You're going to feel all kinds of emotions. You're going to stir up your soul as the dross of your soul life is going to begin to come to the surface. But your spirit man's going to begin to get stronger. I want to encourage you with that. And I want to. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.